With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Shalom and salam. You are now listening to the sound of the shofar blowing. Shofar is a ram's horn that is blown to coordinate a queen or a king. It's also a horn that is blown to inspire the people to do their thing. And today the shofar is being blown to call people uh, fellatio, getting head. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who wrote this down? I am your host, Show Far from Full Show Energy Work, and today our show is going to be about fellatio, giving head, um, BJ's or blowjobs. You know, if I don't already have your interest, I don't know what it's going to take. And also, my, one of my personal favorites is blowing the horn. So, without further ado, I want to bring on today's guest. Uh, today is Dr. Tisha Morgan, and Dr. Tisha Morgan, uh, she's a sex therapist a couples counselor, and also a clinical sexologist. Take a second to wrap your mind around that for a second. She's, uh, you can check her out on YouTube. She's done a TED Talk on uh, you know, masturbation myths. She also has a series called Intimacy uh, Experiment that I definitely recommend checking out. And uh, today we're going to be touching on her new book, and no pun intended, we're going to be, be touching on her new book called Heads Up, uh, increase your sexual confidence, expand your sexual repertoire, and give get the lowdown on oral sex. So we're going to go ahead and bring Dr. Uh, Morgan on here. And let's see, Dr. Morgan, you with me? I am. I'm here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no question, Dr. Morgan. Definitely uh, th- thank you uh, as well for being on the show. My pleasure. Yes, and uh, your your book and everything, I'm sure, is something, especially with Valentine's Day right around the corner. Um, I know it's something that's going to get people's attention, get them standing at attention, no pun intended. So um, tell us about your book and tell us why it's important to you, why you, why you wanted to write this book. Hmm. Uh, well, the book in general, uh, the reason that uh, my co-author, Conscience, Constance Lynn Hummel, and I decided to write this book together um, is because we were both uh, sex therapists and couples counselors, and we would um, see many people come into our office, and they would have issues surrounding intimacy and oral sex specifically, and that we really didn't have any good resources to give them. The only recommendations we had were either very uh, G-rated and clinical, like a Masters and Johnson kind of approach, um, or either very, very R-rated, which would come off as, you know, tickle his pickle kind of um, approach, which a lot of couples or individuals didn't feel comfortable um, reading. So we created a book that 
for a large part had tips and techniques and it was funny and witty and basically had everything you did and maybe didn't want to know about uh, oral sex and fellatio. And then the last third or quarter of the book, uh, we really focus on the therapeutic component of that. So what do you do um, if you if you feel like you have hang-ups or blockage when it comes to either giving or receiving oral sex? Or what if you're having trouble talking to your partner about it? Uh, how do you go about that? How do you traverse those waters in an effective way um, so you can breach those topics without... Um, um, feeling too vulnerable or raw or worried about um, uh, your partner's feelings or hurting their feelings. So, yeah, that's kind of why we decided to write the book to begin with. Got you, uh, Dr. Morgan. It sounds like uh, a lot of what you were talking about there is about, you know, people's feelings and beliefs that come up around sex and what, how to address those and just to to help uh, help a couple become more comfortable with themselves and then others. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Our our values and our belief system, our structure, our sexual timeline and history, uh, we call it a genogram or family of origin, um, but our sexual past or family of origin kind of history is important to look at as well. It shapes who we are. Also, so does our religious beliefs, our society that we are raised in, um, the messages that we're told from our friends, family, and community. So there's so many facets can af- that can affect how we feel about ourselves, our bodies, and sex and intimacy in general. I understand. Okay. Okay. And one thing that I liked about uh when I was reading reading through the book there is that it is not you do go through step by step, but it's not just a step by step. You're also uh in the book, you're also tr- really trying to inspire people to have their own creativity around it. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, we, we very much start out right in the beginning of the book saying that this is not a end-all, be-all gospel of exactly what is pleasurable to every person. Um, we really we really dislike the word normal. I'm using air quotes on that. Uh, I don't think yeah. that, that is subjective. I mean, what is, you know, normal for the spider is chaos for the fly, right? So we, right. we don't want to say that you should do this and this is 100% the best thing to do, but we're giving tons of information and examples and tips uh, and saying, what is pleasurable for you? What is pleasurable for your partner? Um, have the communication around this and use this to inspire your own thoughts and actions and ideas. So it's really meant to kind of stoke that versus um, be the end-all A to Z. I understand. And, you know, uh, one of the things that you that you touch on in there, too, is that, you know, good good oral sex or good sex in general will not save a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. I think intimacy is a big part of mm-hmm. a happy, healthy relationship for, for a lot of people. However, right. just having a great sex life or being great at oral sex is not going to make your relationship, uh, it's not going to solve all your relationship issues, obviously. So if you're in a bad relationship or an abusive relationship or you don't feel respected or valued or your boundaries aren't respected or valued, then that's probably a relationship you shouldn't be in versus one that just needs some, you know, sexual tweaking to it. So, um, yes, we very much come from, the as counselors, that therapeutic lens and say, is this really the relationship that's working for you? Or is it just, you know, is that the problem? Or is it just that you want to have novelty and spice things up and better intimacy? Because that's a whole other um, ball of wax. Right, right. No, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, like you said in the book there, is that, you know, uh, good sex in a bad relationship may make it harder to leave which is an interesting dynamic. I mean, it hurts so good, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, you often hear from people that are, you know, well, I, I stayed for longer than I should have, but it's because the sex was great. You know, it was like my 
it was my drug and I couldn't get away from it. So you, you do hear that often. They realize the relationship is not healthy or not good for them or not something they want long term. But sometimes great sex can really keep you around for a lot longer than it should. Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting. And as far as the, the mindset around or the mindset, some of the things that, that help to get to get people to feel more comfortable around these topics and everything, I noticed that you were talking about in the book about the attitude or mindset, some things that some helpful uh, tips or whatever, uh, like giving to get and then also the whole idea or belief system around thing, uh, oral sex being submissive or degrading. Would you mind touching on both of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like I said, in our in our practice, sometimes we would see clients come in and they would say, well, I'm really not comfortable maybe giving fellatio to my partner because I find that it's very degrading. I don't want to be on my knees. I feel like it's very submissive and it's, you know, this power dynamic or this, you know, um, male-centric thing and I'm, you know, weak or subservient. And um, it's not that we don't want to invalidate those feelings. I mean, feelings are always valid, not always rational, but always valid. Um, it's not that we yeah. want to do that, but we, we want to highlight and say, can we challenge some of those beliefs? If you're in a safe relationship where you feel respected and valued and heard, um, then is that necessarily a power dynamic that has to be a negative? Or can you switch that on its head and view it as you are the one with the power? You are the one um, giving. You are the one that literally you know, has your partner in a very compromised position, for lack of a better word. Mm. Um, right. So can that can you switch that so that you are in the power um, energy position versus a subservient negative position? Um, so it is again addressing some of those common maybe beliefs um, that we can you know tweak. I got you. I I can definitely see that. I mean, in this culture, especially I guess maybe because of the overbearance of patriarchy and some of the things that women have had to go through. I think sometimes the word submissive can be one of those things that will get a stiletto stuck in your eye. Um, you know, it's like it, it's a trigger for some people. You know, for some for some for some people it can be one of those trigger words that has a negative connotation to it. So I like um especially it not coming from a guy, it coming from, from a woman and just kinda going into those different feelings, not invalidating them or whatever, but going into those feelings that come up sometimes with that and um kinda de arming that. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. Yeah. Do you see? Uh, do you see in your work that that um, there is a big challenge around submissiveness or yielding? Um, uh, do you do you find that pretty common? Um, I would say that it can come up quite often. I think that a lot of other things come up often too, as well as like you know, how do you have the conversation around that? And maybe that's awkward, or maybe you really want your partner to do it, but your partner's ah, I don't know, maybe I feel uncomfortable, or this unsightly smells, or I'm worried that there's a choking thing, or you're going to grab my head, and I don't want you to do that, or I don't want it in my mouth, or I don't want to swallow. I mean, there's so many um, things that can come up that can cause someone to pull away. Um, from giving oral sex. So it's really opening up the communication lines to discuss those things and then saying, okay, that, that's okay that those are your fears or your worries. Let's talk about them deeper. And how can we address those in a safe way and then, you know, hopefully um, eliminate some of those boundaries within your relationship. So I think there's lots of those. It's not just the submission. It can be a lot of fears and anxieties around many aspects of oral sex. I see. Okay. And as far as being other-focused and uh, self-focused, could you go a little bit into that? That was another thing that was very interesting in there. Could you 
help uh, help our listeners differentiate between those two. Oh, do you mean the give, take, allow, receive, or do you mean the? Mm-hmm. Um... Yes, the giving, allowing, receiving, and taking. Right. Yeah. So that's um, it's very interesting. There's a theory that um, says that in general there's four sexual schemas, and they say with these four sexual schemas it's called giving, taking, allowing, or receiving. And if you can picture them in a square, like a quadrant or a box, and they say you know most people lie in one quadrant or one box, which means that they get the most sexual pleasure or most sexual fulfillment um, and arousal out of being in one of these quadrants. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't migrate to all of the other quadrants if we don't want to, and many of us do. Sometimes in one sexual encounter, we could do all four. Um, But most people find pleasure out of being in in one of these. Now, they say, let's say you are um, becoming intimate or having sex with someone, and there is fireworks. So there is chemistry. You are just clicking like a puzzle piece. Um, Then that's usually because you're in line in opposite quadrants or complementary boxes, so you fit together well. Now, sometimes you might get together with somebody and it feels awkward. It's like fumbling. You're not really fitting together. You don't feel like you have really good chemistry. Oftentimes, it's because you're trying to lie in the same quadrant or the same box. So it's not fitting together well. So for an example, let's say I'm going to use a heteronormative example for this. um, So bear with me. But let's say you have a man and a woman. And uh, he's going down on her. Let's say he's giving her oral sex. Now, if he's a giver by nature, then... um, he is enjoying this experience. Now, let's say she is a receiver by nature. So she is being very flamboyant over how much she's liking this. She's having multiple orgasms. She's throwing pillows. She's being loud. She's loving every minute of this. Now, if he's a giver by nature, regardless, regardless if he has an erection, regardless if they have penetrative sex, regardless if he has um, a, an orgasm and ejaculates at all, he's going to view this encounter as something that was very beneficial, something is very pleasurable, um, awesome, lots of chemistry. Now, she's a receiver, so this is also working. She's also going to view this encounter as something that's wonderful. Now, if we take out this woman and we replace her with a different woman, but let's say a different woman who is actually also a giver by nature. So she gets the most pleasure out of giving her partner pleasure. Now, same man, and he's going down on her and trying to give her oral sex. Now, it doesn't matter how amazing his techniques are, how much of a Casanova he is. If she's not comfortable in that position or she's not comfortable receiving, she might be thinking things like, oh, my gosh, he's really been down there for a while. Do I smell? Should I just fake one? Do I look fat in this light? Do I remember to call my sister? She's just filtering through a bunch of different thoughts. She's really not being in her body, in herself, and in her five senses. So now she's thinking, I should just switch this up. Like, I really just want to do something different. I want to give, whether that's a conscious thought or not. So now she switches it up, and let's say she starts going down on him and giving him oral sex. Now, again, regardless of her technique or how amazing she is, he might be thinking, oh, God, I hope I don't lose my erection. Oh, gosh, I hope I don't lose my erection. Because for him, he just wants to flip it over. He just wants to be back in the driver's seat. He's not really necessarily comfortable or getting a lot of pleasure out of just sitting there and being a a receiver or completely allowing the situation to happen. So, no, it doesn't mean that either of them are in the wrong. It's just their sexual schemas um, aren't necessarily aligned in the same way. So um, often when we're looking at oral sex, for instance, if you're having problems in that arena with your partner, let's say um, you're trying to give your partner a fellatio and he keeps losing his erection or he's not able to ejaculate or he just doesn't seem to be enjoying himself and it doesn't matter what you do with the tips or technique, you could read a thousand books, but you don't really feel like you're making any progress. Well, maybe it's possible that it's not to do with your logistics. 
tricks or your, your technique, but the fact that that's not his sexual schema. So it can be opening up that conversation as well to have, like, how do we do this differently? Or do we need to lead with you giving um, because you're not comfortable with me giving? Or do we need to switch up our positions? So, like, in the book, we have, I think, 10 different uh, oral sex fellatio positions that are listed. So let's say right. one of them is the typical, which I'm sure everyone has heard of, is the 69. So if somebody right, is a, a, a fan favorite, a fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, a fan favorite. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a 69, you're both giving and receiving at the same time. So would that make it easier for your partner in order to be engaged and get an erection or stay present, right? So again, it's right. really opening up those conversations because sometimes it's not the logistics of an actual technique that's the problem. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So I don't know if you've ever – I read this book one time, uh, Dr. Morgan. It was uh, – what was the name of that book? It's called The uh, the, the Five Love Languages or something like that. And yeah, it by talks Dr. About how, Chapman. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's it. it was a very – I'm glad I read that book because it really made me understand what was going on in some relationships that I had and everything. And what you were just talking about with the four quadrants and everything, with sex and everything, it kind of seems like that too, like with giving and taking and receiving and allowing – that you may be speaking, that sometimes we're speaking different sex languages, if you will. Um, and it's really good, I guess, to get at depth and fluent in a couple of them, especially, well, I guess, in your partners, you know what I mean? So that that's, if I understood you correctly, that's what you were saying, correct? That is 100% correct, yeah. And that that is a really good book, uh, Dr. Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, right? So they're physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. Yeah, and his theory is that uh, we all speak predominantly one of those five languages, although we can be a top one or two, but it's actually rare that we end up with a partner that speaks the same love language that we do. But when we learn our partner's love language and learn to speak it and vice versa, both partners report higher degrees of sexual satisfaction, overall love, commitment, and happiness within the relationship. And that very much is, like I was saying about the sexual schemas, it's like if you learn what you are, and you learn what your partner is, and then you learn that language and you learn to speak it, it's amazing what can result. And that's not just for feeling love or filling up the love tank, but it's also for feeling passion and intimacy and connection within the bedroom. Filling up that love tank. Um, you know, <laughs> speak, speaking that love, speaking that, that language, uh, you know, like as far as what you're covering and heads up, I mean, uh, do you find, you know, being a sex therapist and everything, do you find that, um, where, where does where does um, oral sex kind of rank as far as intimacy? Like, is it, can it be a deal breaker, or does it? Um, how, how, what kind of prominence do you see? And just just curious, out of uh, in your studies. Hmm. I think that for some people or for some couples, it is a deal breaker. I mean, research shows that um, a large percentage of women, especially, um, only uh, have orgasms through foreplay. So the vast majority of women don't have orgasms through uh, penovaginal intercourse alone. And again, I'm saying that in a heteronormative way, but um, something inserted into the vagina isn't necessarily where the majority of women have orgasms. They have it through clitoral stimulation or the stimulation of the clitoral hood. So if that happens, how does that happen? Is it is it during foreplay? Is that oral sex? A lot of women have orgasms during oral sex and only oral sex or foreplay and not during penetrative sex. So um, what does that mean? If your partner's not willing to go down on you or your partner's not willing to have that type of foreplay, then does that mean that your partner is not able to give you an orgasm or an orgasm in a way that you would prefer? Um, and is that a deal breaker for your long-term relationship? And for some couples, it is. So it can be, you know, it can be a major thing within relationships or a, a make or break. 
understand. Okay. I think one of the things that I take away from uh, your book and then also in communicating with you here is, is just that communication. I mean, it sounds like that if things can be talked about, um, I guess that's sometimes why we pull a therapist or someone, a counselor in, in the mix as well to help us to communicate better. But it sounds like that's a big part of it. Like you, in your book, it was funny, you have a couple of quotes by bullshit. And um, mm-hmm. one of them, I think you, one of them you just uh, touched on uh, was that no ejaculation means there was no orgasm for the man, and that's not correct. Could you could you go a little bit into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, we have a, a section in the back kind of like common questions or concerns, and one of them is, well, if my partner doesn't ejaculate, then he didn't have an orgasm, and that is bullshit in the sense where it can yeah. be, I should say, in the sense that um, a lot of men can have uh, multiple orgasms, and with the multiple orgasms, they're not ejaculating with each time. There's also retrograde orgasms, um, or ejaculation, rather, where um, a man is actually ejaculating back into his bladder versus outside, and it's like a medical condition. Um, so just because ejaculation isn't present doesn't mean that an orgasm didn't occur, even if there's not a medical condition there. Um, so a lot of men will work very hard through Kegel exercises and tantric meditation and those sorts of things in order to develop the um, ability to have the pelvic floor muscles, uh, squeezing those pubic coccygeal muscles, as we call them, uh, or the PC muscles, in order to have an orgasm without ejaculating. So there's there's lots of ways to make that happen. So it, it can't be that, you know, you need the money shot, for lack of a better term, in order for it to be good oral sex, because that's not necessarily the case. Right, right. Well, you know what, uh, Dr. Morgan, what I, what I kind of find, like, um, in my own uh, relationships and everything, is that there is this correlation to, you know, the money shot, if you will, to being pleasured, you know, that if she doesn't achieve that in me, then she feels like, and, some, and even though, you know, I, I, I've been practicing Taoism for a while and Tantra and stuff, and I, I explained beforehand that I do sometimes like to retain the seed, although I do still have orgasm, sometimes prostate, sometimes um, still penile or whatever, but, um, you know, and the prostate is, you know, just from having, you know, focused enough energy there during the process of lovemaking that without even penetration you can still have the prostate orgasm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and but I, I find that there's this disconnect sometimes that if they don't get that, that if they don't they don't get that receipt, as uh, one um, a comedian, Patrice O'Neill, said, he's like, if that woman don't get that receipt, you know, then she don't feel like she didn't pleasure you, you know. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I really I find that struggle. And I guess I try to put myself in the other in the, the other side, though. I guess sometimes if a man hasn't, if he doesn't feel like he's brought her to orgasm, he has, he doesn't feel like he's um he's satisfied her. Mm. And so, I, I I definitely agree. I totally agree with you. And I think part of the um part of the process in sex therapy uh, with talking with couples is to identify expectations and goals that they may have. Mm. Um, usually, these are unspoken, not verbalized. And how are those expectations and goals getting in the way of your good intimacy or the feeling that you have satisfied your partner? So, for instance, people will say, well, uh, yeah, if my partner doesn't um, have an orgasm or doesn't ejaculate or we don't have penetrative sex or whatever it may be, then it was actually kind of viewed as a failure. Like you say, I didn't get that receipt. So if you keep having sex or oral sex and you feel like, you know, you didn't hit that home run, you didn't get that receipt, and that equates to failure, then you're going to slowly shy away. Um, There's a a great TED Talk, um, A New Metaphor for Sex, 
And the man was saying in the TED Talk that, you know, in our society, we often view a sex and intimacy kind of like a baseball analogy, a sports analogy. He says, you know, we step up to the base and we're like, okay, we got to first. What is that? Uh, making out? I don't know. We get around to third. Maybe that's oral sex. But the end goal is always the home run, like, like a baseball game. Now he says, right. if we're continuing to get out on first or get out on third and we're not making that home run, then usually we kind of we feel like we let our team down or our teammate down. And we don't want to step up to the base anymore because we keep, we keep getting out. We keep seeing this as a failure. So now not only are we not stepping up to the base, we're not even picking up the bat. So now that's really creating a barrier. So like, well, what's the point? I know I'm not going to make the home run, so I might as well not even try. And then the bigger and bigger that wedge gets within couples and relationships. So he says we really need to look at it more in terms of like um, eating a pizza or making a pizza. And he says, you know, sometimes you call for a pizza and you're like, hey, I just – just give me like five different kinds of cheese, like as much cheese as you can give me. That's what I'm craving. That's what I need. And that pizza is delicious. But then other times you call with your partner and you're like, oh, okay, so we're going to have pepperoni, but no anchovies, olives, but no mushrooms, whatever it is. Now that pizza is completely different, but it was still delicious. The only goal was the enjoyment of the pizza. So he says we really need to switch that and not look at it as the end goal is the home run and that everything else, first, second, third, and around, are all failures. No, no, no. It's the enjoyment, like the enjoyment of the game versus the um, end base or the enjoyment of the pizza. So I think that is really important to identify and to discuss in relationships, the expectations and goals. Enjoyment of the pizza. I like that. That's a great metaphor. I like the way like the way you guys put that. That was that's that's really good. Thank nice. you. Nice. Yeah, very good. And I mean, it, it sounds like uh, basically what you what you're saying there is basically I mean it's, but I like the piece of analogy much more. But it's, it's more or less kind of like a Taoist or tantric thing or whatever. This whole concept of non-attachment, because if we if we go into the bedroom or wherever you find yourself, you're ready to have it going down. Um, but if you go into the bedroom and you already have in your mind set that it's going to be this, then you're not allowing it to be that. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, our brains are our largest sex organs. So if your mind's checked out, your body's checked out long ago, and if you have a negative viewpoint on what's going to happen or what your expectation is or the end goal, or um, then that is your reality. That is your narrative. So if you're telling yourself that right before sex is happening, during sex, or even just randomly on a Wednesday as you're driving to work, it doesn't matter when, yeah. But if you're telling yourself that over and over again, then that is your truth, regardless of what, you know, uh, quote, unquote, the actual reality is or what society would think is true or your partner feels is true. That is your truth. So it's very important to be mindful of the of the messages and the thoughts that we're feeding. Um, it's like the uh, First Nations proverb, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's the uh, grandfather is telling his grandson about the meaning of life, and he says, you know, there's this two wolves. There's this one wolf, and he's the black wolf, and he represents, you know, anger and hatred and resentment and negativity and all these things. And then there's white wolf, and it represents uh, positivity and hope and joy and love and all this. And these two wolves are in a constant battle. And the grandson says, well, which wolf is going to win? And the grandfather says, well, whichever wolf you feed. And it's under the same mentality that if you're feeding that negativity, if you're feeding that dark wolf, then it grows bigger and bigger, and then that wins out and it kills the rest of it, and it becomes the truth, the reality, right? And that's in all aspects, not just within our sexual life, but our personal life and our relationships and our careers and everything. I got you. Okay, so be careful which wolf you give the pizza to. You What's know? that? Which wolf do you give the said, pizza to? Yeah, which which uh, wolf do you give the pizza to? 
That's cool. That's cool. Well, you well, you know what, Dr. Morgan, I, I definitely have enjoyed the flow of the conversation, and we could definitely go on. I'm looking up, and we are already under the three-minute mark, so I definitely want to, you know, leave our listeners with ways to um, to reach out to you or to, to buy the book and, and all that information. So if you would here and wrapping up, um, if there's any other thing that you want to leave uh, the listeners with, um, please say that, and then also your contact information and, and one more, uh, you know, blurb on the book, please. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, again, my name is Dr. Tisha Morgan, and I have a sex therapy um, and couples counselors uh, practice here in Vancouver, B.C., so I'm based out of Canada, although I do do Skype and phone sessions as well for those who aren't in Vancouver. Uh, If you want to learn more about me or the fact of uh, public speaking events or um, to see me as a client, you can check out my website, and that would be tishamorgan.com. Um, or if you would like to grab a copy of our book, which would be fantastic, um, that is headsupbook.com, and it talks about our book and where to grab a copy and all that wonderful stuff. Nice, nice. Thank you, Dr. Morgan. Before I forget, I do, I mean, we have Valentine's Day coming up, and that's all, you know, that's that's well and good. When is uh, Steak and Blowjob Day? (laughs) Steak and blowjob day, so very important. Uh, it is March yes. 14th, and that is okay. what we, we usually call a, a male Valentine's Day because I feel like yeah. Valentine's Day on February 14th, yeah, it is, it is very female-centric. It is very, oh, it's all about the woman, and the man has to wine and dine her and buy her flowers. And I always thought, why? That's not fair. Why is that so one-directional? But then you just wait one month till March 14th, and Steak and Blowjob Day, the idea is, you um, cook your man an amazing meal with a steak. I mean, obviously, unless he's a vegetarian or pescatarian or something. Um, you cook him an amazing meal with a steak, and then, obviously, his dessert would be the oral sex or the blowjob. And most women do it in lingerie, but, you know, it depends how good your your Valentine, your February 14th went, I guess, to see how good your March 14th will go. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, on that note, you know, I definitely appreciate you again, Dr. Morgan, for, for all the information and and it was uh, chock full of a lot of, you know, really great things that I'm going to definitely go back and listen to it myself. And, again, my guest was Dr. Uh, Tisha Morgan, and I'm Shofar from Faux Show Energy Work. Thank you for listening in, and I'll talk to you next time. Shalom, salam. Imagine the possibilities starting with the letters S, L, and P. Imagine a super lavish penthouse, a stimulating little plunge in a serene lap pool, and imagine sailing lovely places with several lively parrots. All because you're some lucky person. Discover your S, L, and P with Super Lotto Plus from the California Lottery. Now until June 30th, buy five plays, get one free. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to play. Visit calottery.com for official rules. Imagine the possibilities starting with the letters S, L, and P. Imagine a super lavish penthouse, a stimulating little plunge in a serene lap pool, and imagine sailing lovely places with several lively parrots. 
All because you're some lucky person. Discover your SLNP with Super Lotto Plus from the California Lottery. Now until June 30th, buy five plays, get one free. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to play. Visit CALottery.com for official rules. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.